Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Morning everyone, um, it's been a while and it's great to be back. This morning, this morning I'll be chatting with Gail Ellis. Many of you know her, I'm sure. Um, we'll be talking about using picture books and learning to learn. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So I have been off off air for a couple of weeks and it's not because I didn't want to do the show. Um, I've just had a really, really busy time. I'm sure as teachers, it's the same for you. But the last two weeks have been nonstop uni exams, Cambridge exams, uh, exams, exams, exams. And I don't know about you, but I am exhausted. Hello, Harry. Hello, Tom. Hope you're both feeling well and not too not too busy with your own work. Um, and if you are joining the show um, and you want to talk stupid busy, <laughs> yes, indeed, Harry, I um, I totally get that. Um, those of you who don't know Gail Ellis, I, I find that I think that's pretty difficult. I met her um, in two thousand and four at the Year of the Young Learners. Oh, global. It was a year of young, young learners for the British Council and she was in charge and has continued to shape ELT teaching, particularly in the field of young learners. Um, she's written numerous books. Um, the Primary English Teacher's Guide was the Bible for um, ELT teaching. Um, she's also also um, written Teaching Children How to Learn and most recently won an Elton for um, Teaching English to Pre-Primary Children, Educating Very Young Children and it, um, it is a, a treasure trove. <laughs> um, it's it, there, it, it, yeah, it won an Elton. It was, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic book and particularly useful because there is not a lot out there for pre-primary teachers or ELT teachers in particular. Now I can't see her coming in but I know she will. She will make it. Um, if not she will send me a message. <laughs> in the meantime um, I'm not sure about you guys but here it is ridiculously hot and Harry I'm wondering I'm wondering how worried that's making you feel. Um, it is unusually hot for this time of year. We had 40 degrees um, recently, and that's not normal for June. Um, I believe the north of Europe, uh, the north of Europe is actually hotter than here. Um, yep, Harry, you're up in Spain and I'm down in Naples. At the moment, it's 28 degrees, probably going up to about 35. Um, but um, 
I hate to think what July and August are going to be like. In the meantime, they keep saying a hate wave. Um, it feels just like the way it is now. Well, the world is getting warmer. Um, I can see a person and I'm pretty sure it is Gail. In the, meantime, in the meantime, let me tell you a little bit more about Gail. Um, she is an ELT young learner, young learner educator with over 30 years experience as a teacher. Educator, manager and author and she is a picture book devotee and a believer in the development of learner autonomy and an advocate for children's rights and inclusive practices in the language classroom. Her publications include course books, supplementary materials, teacher handbooks, as well as articles in books, journals, magazines, and blogs. Her most recent venture, which I hope to be able to talk to her. Okay, you've entered the studio. Oh dear, um, I will keep, I'll keep waiting. She'll be here soon. Um, her most recent venture allows her to spread the passion, her passion for and knowledge of using picture books in primary English language teaching. She's co-founder of Pepelt Picture Books in European Primary English Language Teaching, which aims to create an engaged and sharing community of teachers, librarians, teacher educators and researchers. And if you follow them on social media or if you um, if you are interested in picture books, there is actually a conference um, that they are organizing. And I think you have until the 29th of June to enroll. It is free. It is in Portugal, if you're in Portugal. And if you are a teacher in Portugal, it will actually give you credit points for attending. Um, and um, it will be a hybrid conference. So you can actually join um, from wherever you are and um, I think it will be wonderful. They've also got fabulous resources that you can download and um, it is, as, as Gail says, a treasure trove of picture book resources to develop intercultural citizenship education in primary English language education. So thinking about primary learners, and how we manage primary learners. Um, I know Harry, you um, you like teaching primary learners. <laughs> um, you you <laughs> yeah. I, I won't say that on 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 air, but yes, I know you love it. Um, thinking about strategies for making them. Uh, oh, she's, you're about to go off and teach some now about plastic. Wonderful. <laughs> um, I know you also um, do quite a lot of, of work in your in your daughter's school and um, have some fantastic projects going on there. How's the vegetable patch going? Yeah, our tomatoes are growing. Um, we are nearly self-sufficient at home here. I have several tomato plants um, and aubergines and um, 
and green, little green peppers. Um, they're about the only thing that I've managed to grow properly. Um, I've tried to grow zucchini for the last, ooh, last three or four years and they never ever, they flower. Um, <laughs> it's looking great and it's going to be plastic clever next year. Wonderful. You've got pumpkin. Now, how do you grow pumpkin? We've tried pumpkin and zucchini. They flower, beautiful flowers and plants that grow everywhere. And then they, um, then they disappear. Let me just send a message to Gail. You plant the seeds and let the soil do the rest and water. <laughs> um, yeah, also water, sorry. I think um, I'm still green. Hang on a sec. Tom, I wonder if you can help me. My guest says I'm still green, but I'm actually live. Um, Um, come out and come back in. Sorry, just one second. I'm getting a... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, water, water is important. It's important also to have a well if you... Um, if you have one, um, obviously to save on local resources. And we were pretty lucky when we moved in here, we have a well, so that helps to water the garden and um, and our vegetables. Okay, I can see she's coming. <laughs> I... Okay, I can't actually see her. Okay, let me try again. Let me try inviting her again. Okay. It says she's live, but it apparently isn't. Yeah, no, never mind. Um, anyway, keep getting back to vegetables. <laughs> Um, whoops. Let me try again. Um, right, what I think I'll do is I'll just go to the news and um, then I'll be back in a second with Gail. Okay, be right back. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more.
Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1360 £60 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. strategy white paper is to be unveiled by Boris Johnson this week. The Prime Minister has been criticised for ignoring suggestions made by his food czar, Henry Dimbleby. At the moment, most children in year three and above do not qualify for free school meals if their household income from work is more than £7,400 a year. Mr Dimbleby suggested either extending this to all children in households receiving universal credit or raising the income threshold to £20,000. Neither of these ideas has been included. According to campaigners Feeding Britain, extending eligibility would have benefited thousands of children. A government source has told the Mirror, we're very clear we will continue to keep preschool meals eligibility under review.
In Scotland, the Liberal Democrats are challenging the Scottish Government over whether a promise to recruit more nursery teachers to work in the most deprived communities has been binned. In January 2017, Nicola Sturgeon, First Minister, committed that an extra 435 graduates would be in place in nurseries by 2018, at the time insisting the move was absolutely crucial to tackling the attainment gap. Liberal Democrat education spokesman Willie Rennie said, More than 100 nurseries in the most deprived communities in Scotland don't have the extra nursery teacher Nicola Sturgeon personally promised would arrive in 2018. Astonishingly, at the current rate of progress, it's going to take another 10 years for the SNP to meet what was a one-year target. Nicola Sturgeon promising education would be her number one priority feels like an awfully long time ago for children and parents. They are being taken for a ride. They deserve to know if the nursery staffing target will ever be met, or if it has been binned too. Children's Minister Claire Hoy said, Since 2017, the early learning and childcare workforce has expanded massively, with graduate ELC staff increasing by more than half. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week's Two Minute Tech is in response to a Twitter post from Tom HB asking what makes a good multiple choice question. I'm not here to discuss the research behind questioning, you can do that on his show, but I can give you some tech that makes a good multiple choice question. Here I celebrate the beauty of tech and all the positives that we can gain. Did you know a lot of multi choice question builders will give you data? It is down to you to decide if the data is useful, however, the data is automatically generated so you don't have to do any marking. Data can be exported and added to a spreadsheet for quick comparison. Electronic multi-choice questions can be shared easily, they work across multiple devices and can be reused or tweaked in future activities. Individual question feedback is available on the individual or the cohort. Everyone has their favourites, some allow live synchronous participation, others are asynchronous and can be done at any time. Kahoot is an example of this, well known by teachers and it gives both of these options and has a bank of pre-made questions from its large community. The quiz platform you choose will depend on the required outcome. Do you want a quick poll during a presentation? Then iSpring will embed into a PowerPoint or a link to Mentimeter will let you get live feedback. Do you want to ensure knowledge is remembered through repetition? Then create a Google or Microsoft form, call it a breakout room and set it to go back to the beginning every time a question is answered incorrectly. This will force the correct answers to be entered to complete the room. And you will be the cool teacher that's down with the kids knowing what a breakout room is. Put simply, Electronic quizzes can be great if you use one that suits your topic. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back and I believe I have Gail. Can you hear me, Gail? Yes, I can. Can oh, wonderful. Me? I can hear you. You're here. I'm very sorry about that. No, it's fine. It, it, it's to build the adrenaline <laughs> to, get, to get the show, show moving. 
<laughs> I did hear something about vegetables. Yes, no, I was just um, reflecting on on vegetables because <laughs> um, in the summer I I, I I we grow tomatoes. I mean, we actually live on tomatoes in the summer anyway. Um, but it's just nice to be self-sufficient, not have to buy them kilom oh, zero kilometers. They I walk out and and grab some tomatoes and some aubergines and grill them on the barbecue. <laughs> it is. But I have never been able to grow zucchini and pumpkin. But my colleague, um, Harry, um, has got a garden full of pumpkin. So there you go. It's. Um, do you grow your own vegetable scale? Yes, I'm, I do. I, I managed to grow what we call courgette in France. It's zucchini, I think, isn't it? Italian word. That's uh, right. And yes, and I sometimes get um, the very you know, they grow so big, and that is what we call in, in English a marrow. Mm. And one of my favorite dishes is a stuffed marrow, but I also do peppers and aubergine and chilies and tomatoes um, and herbs. So, yes, it's very satisfying. I love it. Mm. Yep, it is. Um, this year I'm planning to do more winter vegetables as well because they kind of take care of themselves. Yes. But anyway, anyway, today we're here to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> other things we can continue this <laughs> another day <laughs> um, is it before I do get on to um to talking about about teaching um is it still very hot up yes, in France it's, it's um uh, where I am 37 that's in the southwest of France and we have 40 forecast for Friday uh yeah it's exceptionally hot but I think it is in many uh, southern European countries in Portugal and Spain, but it's traveling up through France now. Mm. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very hot for us in France. It um, seems to be hotter. No, actually, it's. I mean, we are not. We're not as hot. And uh, speaking to Catherine Billsbrook, um yesterday, that it's forty degrees where she is, whereas here it was sort of you know, 29, 30, so yes. maybe got up to 34, but not, it's not that, it's not as high as it is in the north. So no. that's quite unusual. Anyway, Gail, <laughs> we met many, many years ago. I was just thinking about the, the year of the young learner. That was, um, that was where we met in. Yes, it was um, 2003, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Yes. but was it Barcelona or was it Madrid? That's the thing I can't remember. I think it was Barcelona. Uh, it was Madrid. Was it? Okay. No, that was um, that was when we first met, and then young learners, uh, certainly for British Council, just grew and grew and grew and grew. Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. That was the big push, and you you were obviously you have been a big part of that. Um, and a big part of, of teaching, um, a teacher support, teacher advisor, um, a global manager um, for young learners. And you have also won an Elton. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the, the work, the Year of the Young Learner, um, was the initiative of Sean Wooler, who um, no longer works for the British Council, but it was a it was a fantastic year that I shared, in fact, with Pam O'Brien, who works at the British Council's school, school. Madrid, the yeah. school. And it really was uh, an opportunity for us in the British Council to showcase some of the work 
that we were doing with children and teenagers and to start um, clarifying terms so that we referred, we moved away from that umbrella young learners term to actually refer to the different age groups, mm -hmm. um, you know, pre-primary, primary, lower secondary and upper secondary, so, we, th so that we could be much more specific um, in our discourse, but also uh, define age-appropriate pedagogies. And um, so, yes, it was, a, it was a fantastic year, and we also got a, um, published in collaboration with the English Language Teaching Journal, a special edition, which brought together uh, articles on teaching children and teenagers from the past 25 years that had appeared in the uh, ELTJ. So that was a, a kind of a, uh, it was a lovely outcome uh, that people were, were given. Uh, I think we were able to give them away to many, many different teachers in different parts of the world through the British Council's network. Yeah, it was a fantastic year. Um, I still I still have my copy. <laughs> I you? treasure it. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. The the pink is pink and yellow. Cover, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a souvenir now. It's uh I sh they probably are worth quite a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll yeah, hold on and, to it. <laughs> um, yes, the El the Elton's um, prize winning the uh, prize or the the award in the um, resources for teachers uh, with teaching English to pre-primary children was just fantastic. This book, uh, I have to say, is Sandy Morale's book. Um, I came in to contributing to this book at a later, much later stage in the process. It's a book mm -hmm. that Sandy started around, in fact, 2003, 2004, I think. But like many of these publications, they, they take a long time to... Mm. To, um, to develop and create. And there are advantages and disadvantages of that. The disadvantage is that you, you do, you have a burst on it and then you shelf it. And then each time you go back to it, you have to kind of pick up where you last were. But because it has taken such a long time to, to evolve, we evolve as well. We're constantly learning. We're constantly seeing things through new lenses, different perspectives and uh, I am sure that the final product, the book, is, is quite different to perhaps what Sandy had envisaged in, to, in the early stages. Mm. But um, I came in at the late, uh, later stage to help her finish it off. And my contribution has been very much to part three of the book because it's a part of the Delta teacher development um, series which follows a specific structure. Part A is the theory and rationale mm -hmm. to the subject. Part B in, in, uh, contains practical activities. And then part, T, uh, part C prov uh, provides uh, professional development activities for, for teachers so that they can reflect on uh, part <laughs> A and B and relate it to their own practice. So that was, it was absolutely fantastic working with Sandy and she so deserves that award. Mm. Um, the subtitle is Educating Very Young Children and uh, that's what it's all about. It's not about just teaching children discrete English lessons. It's about teaching the whole child through English and um, it's about developing the all the key development areas in in, 
in a, uh, including linguistic uh, areas uh, of the child. So yes, wonderful. And yeah, and, and, and I think sorry, Jake, sorry, and very much and very much needed because at pre-primary level, um, it, I mean now obviously there's a lot there's a lot more for teachers to do, but um, you know many years ago, or, and also I don't think there there are enough resources um, for pre-primary teachers, particularly yes. pre-primary English yeah. language teachers, which is yeah. surprising. <laughs> yes, it was fantastic because one of the judges said something along the lines of at last a, uh, a, a book that takes the teaching of English to pre-primary children seriously mm. and addresses the complexities of teaching this age range. So, and that, that is exactly what we set out to uh, achieve. Um, and yes, it's, um, it's also, I think, um, very important um, step for the teaching of English to pre-primary children, the fact that it has won this Elfin's Prize, that, it, that this age range has been recognized as worthy of an award. Mm. Um, so yes, very proud, very proud to have been able to participate with Sandy on this book. And you also um, work with Sandy on another project, um, Pepelt, yes. <laughs> is that yes. have I said that correctly? You have. Pepelt. Yes. It's one of those um, dreadful acronyms, isn't it? It stands for Picture Books in European Primary English Language Teaching. Um, and I what prompt? What prompt? What prompted the foundation of Pepelt? <laughs> well, um, we were four. There's four of us actually. Four friends uh, who are all passionate about using picture books in our teaching or teacher education. And um, it was Sandy Morrell and Tasha Groenbaum, who's based in the Netherlands, mm. uh, who wanted to set up a, a, a project. And we, we applied for European funding, uh, but we didn't get it. But we decided to go ahead anyway. So I, I, I was invited to, to join, as was Aneta Sadowska, who's based in Poland. And that's, that, that accounts for the European in the picture books in European primary English, uh, uh, picture books in European <laughs> primary English language teaching, we, because we are based in Europe. But we are much more far-reaching than um, uh, just Europe. I mean, our aim is to... Uh, make picture books accessible, much more accessible globally uh, mm. beyond Europe. Uh, and um, we've actually got a lot of followers from all over the world, but Brazil and Argentina, for example, Egypt. Uh, so we are reaching um, different different parts of the world. And um, Pepel also, um, I'm very pleased to say, was a finalist in the... Uh, 2020 Eltons. Uh, we didn't win our category, but at least we were a finalist. So again, that was a lovely reward for us that our work was recognised because using picture books in English language teaching, especially in primary English language teaching, is quite a niche uh, um, 
resource and mm. uh, obviously accessibility of picture books is quite difficult for teachers in different parts of the world. So what we're trying to do through our Facebook page and our website is to make these more visible and uh, accessible to, to teachers and provide them with ideas and inspiration. Mm. Is when you say accessing, do you mean actually physically accessing the books or accessing the resources to go with them? No, I actually mean accessing the books. Mm. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of um, constraints. I mean, obviously, um, budget, financial budget is one definitely, of yeah. Mm. Uh, although, you know, picture books, it's a bit of a myth, really, because the teacher only requires one copy. It's not that uh, a copy <laughs> is required. Obviously, it'd be wonderful if each child had their own copy, but in order to use it um, in the English language classroom, it is really only the teacher who needs a copy. Mm. Um, but actually getting hold of the picture books is, is, can be quite difficult. And also in many parts of the world, um, Teachers have to follow a prescribed syllabus or yeah. a prescribed um, reading scheme, you know, that is grading mm. readers. And so they have very little time to bring in complementary, supplementary material, especially authentic material. Um, so but we're trying to provide ideas uh, and teaching ideas for teachers to... Um, you know, embrace and uh, adapt to their own context. So that they, so that it can match a syllabus or so it can, you know, perhaps replace a part of <laughs> their standard yes, course I book. Mean, I think complement, really, mm. complement the syllabus mm -hmm. um, and provide children with exposure to authentic English as these picture books are uh, written with for children who already have a... Uh, good command uh, of the English language. Uh, so there's, the language is not graded or selected in mm. any way as you would get in a, an, in a reading scheme. Um, but if they're carefully selected, there are many, many wonderful books out there. And of course, it's not just the words, it's the pictures as well. Because <laughs> the words and the pictures work together to convey meaning. And so the children are also developing their visual literacy through reading the pictures and sometimes the pictures complement the story. They, they, or they, they might synchronize with the words. Sometimes they complement uh, the words. Sometimes they tell a different story to the words. So it's very interesting to see uh, the different uh, types of picture books. What do you look for? I mean, what, what makes a good picture book? What are the... Well, we look for picture books that go beyond the conventional course book content. Mm. Um, obviously, course book writers are often constrained by um, publishers' guidelines, uh, but picture books can address all kinds of um, topics and themes that you won't necessarily uh, find in traditional course book materials such as disability, such as um, gender stereotypes. Uh, I've just been working on a fantastic <laughs> uh, picture book called I Am Henry Finch, which actually um, 
addresses the whole uh, theme of uh, existence and um, ex existentialist thought. You wouldn't think mm. it would be possible, but it is <laughs> in such an accessible way for children. It's about this little bird, a finch, mm -hmm. who discovers that he can think and has thoughts, so he therefore he is. So it's very Cartesian. <laughs> Indeed. Sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, so if, it, if listeners would like to find out more about that, they can access the Pepelt um, uh, Facebook page and uh, read more about I am Henry Finch. <laughs> Sounds great. There's also, I mean, there are also, there's, there's a whole lot of, of stuff. You have, a, you have a book a month, correct, in the yes, group? Yes. Um, for the first, well, this is our fourth year, and for the mm. first year, we we chose uh, a theme for the month and mm -hmm. a book that matched that theme. And each of us would make a short film about the book, looking at different aspects. For example, Sandy would discuss the paratextual features. I discussed uh, how you could use the book to develop multi-literacies, multiple literacies. Uh, Tasha would look at how you could use the book in teacher education, in mm -hmm. pre-service teacher education. And then Annetta would um, talk about her experiences of using the picture book in her classes with her pupils in, in Poland. Uh, and this year we've, we've tried to vary it a little bit. Uh, we've still chosen a theme for each month, but e each of us have chosen a different picture book that... Um, uh, that coincides, that matches that theme. And we're either doing Facebook Live sessions uh, or little Facebook posts or discussions. And um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to continue next year, whether uh, what, uh, whether, whether that is to be discussed. We mm -hmm. will be having a meeting in July and uh, uh, discuss the way that we will uh, continue next year. But it's just such a fantastic learning opportunity for me. I learned so much from uh, Sandy and Tasha and Annetta. I discover new titles. We discover new titles through each other. Mm. And that is, um, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. It sounds amazing. And um, yes, I do follow um, your Facebook group. And um, yeah, it is, it's exceptional. And, and teachers do need to know about it. Um, particularly if you are teaching primary learners. Yes. And of course, picture books can be used as well with pre-primary mm. and, and secondary. And I think this, this example of I am Henry Finch, I, we just had a comment on our Facebook page, page that somebody has actually been using it with adults because the concept, the actual concepts mm. contained in it are quite sophisticated. But uh, it's by Alexis Deacon, um, who's one of my most favorite um, uh, picture book creators and it's illustrated by Vivian Schwartz. They make an incredible pair. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, he, Alexis Deacon's uh, writing is so clear. Uh, short sentences, there's repetition, there's questions, there's statements. And interestingly, the typeface presents all the spoken, not spoken, text well the speech and the thoughts in capital letters so for children developing their literacy it's it really helps them identify between narrative and uh, speech 
Oh, fantastic. Yes. I hadn't thought of that. Um, no, I only yeah, think... So many details that, um, you know, we often don't uh, notice on, on the, when we first pick up a picture book. And, uh, uh, you know, Sandy has, has taught me so much about paratextual features and about how the front cover, the back cover, the end pages, the title page, they're all part of the whole picture book that is described as an aesthetic object. And very often when we do a read aloud with children, for example, or if you watch the numerous read alouds that you can access via YouTube, the, the person reading goes straight to the, to the narrative. They don't, they, they skip over the cover, the end papers, the title page. Um, you know, they're in a hurry to get to the, to the story, but, uh, that's um, something that um, I'm really, uh, really have appreciated uh, incorporating now into all my work that I do on picture books. You, you recent, or recently wrote, um, you wrote an article with Sandy about demystifying the read aloud. Unfortunately, I'm not a, um, a Met member, so I didn't get to read it. Um, but what are some of the things that you use to demystify the read aloud? Yeah, we actually it was for English teaching professional. It was just before they they joined. They you know, there was the new structure, mm -hmm. um, and well, what we've tried to to show is that reading aloud is a is a combination of several different types, several different skills that the teacher needs to be made aware of, and that we would like to see incorporated into. Uh, in-service and pre-service uh, teacher education courses, there is, first of all, <laughs> knowing the book, holding the book, knowing mm. how you're going to present it to the children, rehearsing, but you need to know how to read aloud so that you read aloud fluently and uh, uh, with confidence. Um, you need to know how you can make the most of your eyes and your voice and your gestures uh, to to um, bring this picture bring the story alive and to complement the story and also how to create rapport with the children when you're reading aloud um, you know eye contact for example is so important pausing and looking up and the vary varying your voice so that you may go from uh, speaking very loudly to, and then whispering like that to mm. indicate uh, suspense or, <laughs> it's practice. And uh, also referring to all those paratextual features as well that, uh, as I said, are often skipped over. So we've tried to show in this article how these three skills come together uh, and to, to make up a read aloud performance, if you like. <laughs> and if we need some examples, we can go, <laughs> we can actually watch some. <laughs> yes, yeah, and just to, just to add to that, um, during the um, pandemic, during the 2020 lockdown, when schools all over the world were, were closed and children were doing home learning, um, 
Tasha and I wrote a number of what we call e-lessons, and these are based on um, read-alouds that we selected, but read-alouds by the author or illustrator themselves. Wow. And I think that is just, just fantastic because you actually get to meet the picture book creator through mm -hmm. listening and watching or viewing these, these read-alouds. And we've um, we created very simple uh, guidelines or suggestions, really, of, of what teacher, how teachers could exploit these for uh, synchronous or asynchronous learning if they had that, uh, if they were able to do that during the, the pandemic. And in fact, these e-lessons these e have been viewed over 75,000 times. So well, that's quite wow. And it does, does show that that is getting worldwide reach. Uh, so, so teachers who can't actually get hold of the physical copy of a book, um, you know, a read aloud, a, a, an online read aloud, a, a YouTube read aloud makes a really, it's not, it's not the same as a face-to-face uh, read aloud with the actual object, but it's a good digital alternative. Uh, and, um, it, and, it, and it has the, the author's or the, or the illustrator's yes, voice, yes. which... I mean, my favourite, uh, Ed Veer, Alexis Deacon, they're such amazing, um, they're amazing at reading aloud. And what we discovered as well is that there are very, there are, di they, there are different video production approaches as well to mm. uh, reading aloud, which they're all, they're all, they're all, they're all good, but and they, they have different affordances. But we really like the read alouds where you actually see the, um, uh, you see the person, the, the picture book creator holding the picture book and reading it aloud and to, to directly in front of the camera. We think that that is uh, the most uh, valuable for our young English language learners. Wonderful work, wonderful work. And we're going to move over to another area of, of teaching that you're very, very passionate about, and that is learning to learn. Yes. And what we don't have a lot of time, Gail, um, but it's just, it's been wonderful listening to you. Um, key things that, that teachers need to consider when they're helping their learners learn to learn. Oh, that's <laughs> I, I uh, wrote, yes, wrote the questions proper, specifically not to say that, but I did in the end because it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, um, it really needs ideally to be a whole school approach, because learning to learn is about learning whatever subject the children are learning, and there are a lot of skills that. Um, uh, through learning to learn that uh, apply to all subjects. So ideally, it, it's a kind of um, a culture. It needs to be integrated throughout the whole school not, so that it's not just one teacher doing it. Mm. Um, and I know that's, that's difficult, but you know, teachers can help implement that. They need to uh, also understand that it is an ongoing process. It's, goes on throughout uh, the children's 
learning career. Mm. Uh, and it's not just, it's not a one-off, oh, today we're going to do learning to learn. No, it's no. something that needs to be integrated into every single lesson. And in order to do that, it needs to be planned and teachers need to plan the time to do it. For example, a very, very, very valuable strategy is reviewing at the end of a lesson. Mm. Now, uh, reviewing doesn't need to take very long. It can take between three to five minutes, but it helps children's, it helps make learning visible because they can see and understand what it is they have learnt and how they have learnt it. And it creates threads, if you like, between lesson to lesson. So the teachers need to plan in the time for that because that five minutes at the end of a lesson is more valuable than packing in another activity. Um, mm. And very often, you know, teachers are in a rush, the bell goes or they have to move on to something else and it, the lesson is dropped and uh, there is no reflection time at all. So that is another piece of, another key thing for me, build in, plan in your time, mm. good time management skills, make sure that you stop in time to do the review. Definitely. I mean, you could then, I mean, if you if you did have extra time, you could just do something else <laughs> or yes. plan plans, um, something that you're going to use in the next lesson, perhaps making a connection there. Yes. That's, um, yeah. And I know that learning to learn, there's a lot more to it than just that. Um. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, very, it's very complex. And of course, everybody learns in a different way. Um, but uh, the most important, the most important, the most neglected part of learning to learn is the metacognitive side of it. That is the, the thinking about learning and the reflecting on learning. Um, and of course, often in the English language classroom, uh, teachers will say, oh, children are too young to do that. No, they're not, actually. Mm -hmm. They are incredibly astute about their own learning and their learning preferences. Or they'll say, but they don't have enough English to talk about their learning. Well, no, they probably won't. So use their own languages or the shared language of the classroom to discuss this learning to learn. It's because that's, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's reflecting on their personal learning strategies. And they'll be able to say much more and the teacher will get much more feedback in that way. Uh, so uh, I advise teachers to, in the early stages, anyway, to use the children's languages or language of the sh uh, the language of the class, uh, if uh, they can. Yeah, I mean, I, I also find it really helpful for me because if they haven't really enjoyed doing something, then I know that I need to adapt it next time around. Absolutely. So just, even just there's sort of feedback on what we've learned and also feedback on the tasks themselves. Yes. yes. It's. Um, and, yeah, and our children learn from each other as well, you know, the, uh, and learn, they learn to respect differences and different preferences. Indeed. Gail, um, you mentioned July. Um, I believe there is a conference in Portugal that Sandy yes, this is, is the, um, organizing. <laughs> conference. Um, I'm, I'm not part of the ICEPEL, I haven't been part of the ICEPEL project, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm not attached to a university, but um, 
and again, it's at Sandy Morel who's leading this, and the, it's a three-year Erasmus project that has, is coming to, to an end in July, and there's this fantastic conference that is being organised to bring everything together, all the materials that they have created for teachers called ICE kits that <laughs> can be done. ICE stands for Intercultural Education. And uh, these ice kits that have been created can be downloaded um, free. Uh, and um, at the conference, they're going to be having uh, picture book creators, including Baruch, who is a French um, picture book creator and wrote one of the books that they have chosen to focus on throughout the three years called Welcome. And the conference is free and you can uh, either attend physically, if there are still places left, there may not still be places, or you can attend virtually. Uh, yep. So um, I don't know if you can provide details about that for 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 uh, listeners who may be interested. In I will. Uh, I would put it in the um, in the um, in the bio of the right. um, yeah because it, I've I've signed up to do it virtually. Um, because yes, it sounds so fascinating <laughs> and I can't travel. <laughs> I'd love to go to Portugal, but um, my son is finishing school this year. So we oh. will be waiting for the exam. He, he does it in early, early July. So I don't think it's a good idea for me to, to nip okay. off. <laughs> Time for you to be around. I need to, I need to stay here <laughs> yes. and make sure he studies a little bit. Um, Yes, indeed. They, it all happens so quickly. Um, yes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he's, he's nearly an adult and it's like, no, hang on a sec. You were my little boy. Now you're taller than me. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, it happens. So Gal, if, if people want to get involved with Pepelt, um, would it be okay to share the um, the link to the Facebook group Definitely. as well? Um, I can I can send you the link to the Facebook page and also the link to our website. And everybody is welcome. Uh, please join. I have joined, but yes, I would recommend everyone <laughs> does. <laughs> okay. So now, what what does the future hold for for Gail Ellis? What you what do you hope to accomplish within the next year or so? a couple of um, ideas for more writing so I hope that those will come to fruition I can't say much about them at the moment but um, that, that's my that's my main objective and to um, enjoy having a little bit more time to to me now <laughs> <laughs> having worked very hard for many 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 years it's it's very nice to have a little bit more flexibility in my life and choice so uh, I have the time now small time for writing so I hope to be able to dedicate some of that time to the writing fantastic and we will be looking out for that <laughs> Tell us a fun fact that most people don't know about you. <laughs> um, probably most people do not know that I was an avid, passionate netball player 
and a <laughs> Middlesex County netball player. Wow. And, <laughs> yes, and I, I used to play probably four or five times a week in training and in matches and traveling all over Middlesex County and beyond uh, because we, you know, we were in a league. And uh, I also ran a netball club for Mount Vernon Hospital, which is in Middlesex, where I used to work many years ago. And uh, we, we did very well in that as well. And this, 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 um, this, the, our team included um, administrative staff, nurses, doctors. It was, <laughs> it was a very mixed team. Completely um, different world. <laughs> yeah, it was also very diverse because uh, we had a couple of Jamaican um, nurses who joined our team uh, and um, fantastic players. Uh, well, we were, we were quite good, actually, but it was wonderful. And I loved the little skirts we <laughs> to wear. And <laughs> I've still got my netball badges the, uh, the, uh, that you used to sew onto your skirts, the beautiful emblems. The Middlesex one was the Middlesex um, uh, crest, uh, what, I can't remember what it's actually called, but uh, that signifies Middlesex. And then we had our Mount Vernon Hospital badge designed as well. It was really beautiful. Yes, I still have those. How wonderful. <laughs> so probably not many people know that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I certainly didn't tend to end now. Well, now a lot more people will. Um, you're in France. Yes. And I assume that the food is superb. What's, where's your favourite place to eat? <laughs> My favourite of all time restaurants is a restaurant in Paris, uh, very close to where I live, which is in the third, uh, third uh, arrondissement of Paris. It is called Chez Omar. Mm -hmm. It is a Moroccan restaurant and they do the best couscous ever um, and you can have it with uh, chicken or lamb or, or vegetarian if you prefer and it I, I first went to this restaurant in 1977 so this is a restaurant I've been going to for a very long time and one of the other things that I just love about this restaurant is that it has never changed um, the owner is still there and the decor has never changed <laughs> and the service is very friendly and it's very convivial so that is my favorite restaurant because it's a combination of things isn't it it's not just the food although no. it's very important it's the experience and, and yeah it is yes yes so uh show <laughs> If you're in Paris, <laughs> remember yes. to to look for it. Let's finish with your favourite quote. <laughs> My favourite quote, actually, um, interestingly enough, has to be, it reminded me of it working on I am Henry Finch. So my favourite quote is, I think, therefore I am. Um, you know, René Descartes, because <laughs> I, I've always loved that quote and I studied um, at university, I studied humanities and I majored in French and history of art. So, of course, I, I you know, covered things like um, uh, writers like René Descartes or philosophers like René Descartes. And I was, I've always been absolutely fascinated by the kind of 
simplicity and the obviousness of that quote. I am. Uh, I, uh, sorry, what is it? I am, <laughs> therefore, I, therefore am. I am. And um, I was reminded of that through working on I am Henry Finch uh, and the clever way that that has been uh, integrated into this picture book for children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look for it now, Gail. <laughs> yes. Oh, and there is a, a fascinating uh, short YouTube film narrated by uh, Stephen Fry, who talks about uh, this quote. Stephen Fry is, is wonderful, yes, wonderful. Yes, I can send you the link. It is, it's fascinating. Gail? Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. You just went a bit fuzzy just oh, okay. <laughs> towards that, towards the end. Yep. Yep. I can. Gail? Yes, I'm still here. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. okay. Um, it's one o'clock and oh, it's 12 o'clock in the UK. <laughs> it's one o'clock here. So it's actually time to, to finish. Um, Gail, we probably could have had a, a, a two-hour show, really. <laughs> um, but if you'd like to come back, I'd love to have you back to talk more. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> and my apologies again for the, um, for the problems. No, please don't. Please don't apologize. There's absolutely no need. <laughs> There's no need. It happens. Um, it's technology. Um, and well, it, we overcome the, it. <laughs> also in the depths of uh, rural France, uh, the internet connection is quite weak and unstable. So I don't know whether that had anything to do with it. I'm sure Probably it's all just me. Yeah. No, no, I'm sure it's all fine. It's fine. Thank you. And um, I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Thank and you, um, have, a, have a lovely day. Stay cool. Um, and <laughs> enjoy your vegetables. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Gail. Thanks, Gail. Lovely to speak bye -bye. to you. Take care. Bye. bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.